welcome to the Faith and Science Podcast. My name is Tyler Bublitz, and welcome back for the 21st Sunday after Pentecost for the week of October 14th, 2018, and I'm excited to have you here. I'm excited to get into this week, and I'm excited to dig into a difficult text of Mark and feel like I have a very good answer out of science to be able to talk about this. But before we get into it, we have a couple things to cover. First and foremost, our shameless plug for Working Preacher. If you haven't checked out Working Preacher, I'd highly recommend it. Between their Sermon Brainwaves podcast, their commentaries, their discussions over there, from coming from seminary professors, and since I'm not an ordained minister, it gives me a lot of direction to be able to bring you this podcast and give some direction on where we are going. But before we get into it, we need to answer and talk a little bit about last week's Twitter question, which was kind of a personal one. We did get one response Her comment was she'd rather not talk about it in the podcast, which is great. I love getting that response back and being able to talk about it. The question was last week is, where are you seeing that you're still needing to depend on the Father? What are some things that you're needing to give up and let him take control? And I think there are a lot of places in all of our lives that we can see that that type of thing needs to happen from relationships to just being able to work and do your job to just little things. There's plenty of places where we need to continue to work on what do we need to give up. And that flows so beautifully into this week's gospel, especially. And I think there's a lot of things to contemplate. So before I even get into this week's gospel, I even want to give you a preview of kind of where I'm going. And it's From that old adage that you've probably heard multiple different places as you've gone to like national parks or state parks or different places, you've probably even heard your parents say it, is take nothing but pictures, leave nothing but footprints. Take nothing but pictures, leave nothing but footprints. And I think there is a lot of things that we can take from that, and we'll take that framework and look at these texts. So the gospel text this week is out of Mark chapter 10 verses 17 through 31. And we get this man coming up to Jesus and talking about how great he has been and how he has followed all these different commandments of not committing adultery, not stealing, not bear false witnessing, honoring his mother and father, doing all these things. And he's been doing them since he's a child. And the one that Jesus really stumps him on is then to give up everything he has to follow him. For in order to enter the kingdom of God, he needs to give up his possessions and just give it all. And he leaves. And this is where we get then the verse of how it is easier for a camel to enter the eye of a needle than a rich man to enter the house of the Lord, which there's a lot to unpack there, but it's a basic summary of what we have there, and there's a lot of really cool things to think about in that one. Our first reading is out of Amos chapter 5, verses 6 through 7 and 10 through 15, and this kind of builds upon this idea. But I really liked a specific verse here, when verse 11 I think says a lot for this. Therefore, because you trample on the poor and take from the leaves of grain, you have built your houses on heath stone, but you shall not live in them. You have planted pleasant vineyards, but you shall not drink their wine. 
For I know many are your transgressors, and how great are your sins, you who have afflicted righteousness, who take the bride and push aside the needy at the gate. 11 and 12. And there's a lot there, but I think it's building upon this idea, again, of how often we like to take things for ourselves and maybe overlook others, overlook things. And we'll get into this a little bit more, but there, you will see there is a string that I am weaving through here. So just trust me on this one. The alternative first reading is from Job chapter 23, verses 1 through 9 and 16 through 17. This is coming directly after Job has been kind of meeting with his friends and they're kind of questioning why is he doing what he's doing. And this is before Job meets God. And he is again kind of talking about how I still have to trust God. God has made my heart faint. The Almighty has terrified me. If only I could vanish into the darkness and thick darkness would cover my face. That he can't hide from God, verses 16 and 17. How he is still needing to trust in him because even though things are difficult, as he is losing more and more, he still has to trust God. The psalm this week is a wisdom psalm and it is awesome. Psalm 90, verses 12 through 17. Teach us to count our days that we may gain a wise heart. Verse 12. The beautiful thing I find about this psalm is the idea of really counting the blessings in which we have. The idea that we have so much that we overlook that is given to us on a daily basis and we miss it because we are not grateful enough. We are looking for something more. The second reading is out of Hebrews chapter 4, verses 12 through 16. And again, this kind of builds on this idea. And I'm just going to read a couple verses here then from Hebrews. And I think it just, again, gives you a little bit of flavor of where we are coming from. Starting in verse 12. Indeed, the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing until it divides soul from spirit joints from marrow. It is able to judge the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. And before him, no creature is hidden, but all are naked, are laid bare to the eyes of the one whom we must render an account. So that's 12 and 13. And I'm going to, I'll also continue 14 here. Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let him hold fast to our confession. How with all this stuff that we bring through, the only way that we're able to get in is through Christ, through Jesus. So where does this all tie back to with take nothing but photos, leave nothing but footprints? Why is Jesus really actually talking to us here about the kingdom of God and worldly possessions? And it's so easy, I think, for us to be able to get caught up in the idea, I need this, I need this, I need this. And kind of even getting into the psalm that in that time, in those need spots, or our thought of apparent need, we miss the blessings that he is already providing us on a day-to-day basis. And when we're doing that, we lose sight of what we're actually trying to achieve. 
I know with me moving recently, it's kind of been one of the things I wrestle with. There's always things you would love to add to the apartment, but then you have to get down to the rationalization of what are the actual needs? What are actually things that I need? There are certain definitely creature habits like a television that make life maybe more convenient or more comfortable, but I wouldn't consider them a need. There's a lot of other things like maybe a basic mixing bowl that are way more of a need than a television will ever be. As I was kind of thinking about this and processing this and and going through this in my head, I started just, again, kind of expanding upon this idea of the consumer culture that we have. We have this idea that we constantly need more and we've been bombarded with advertisements to convince us that we need more. And one of the things that I was privileged with grappling with in high school and continued to grapple with ever since is one of the things that I think we have a problem with in our most modern country societies is we don't take into account when we think about our gross domestic product, the cost of the environment of making these products. And if I'll try attaching some links down to gross domestic product below if you haven't read up on that recently. But one of the biggest problems with it is is that it is based on this idea that we have unlimited resources. And so with unlimited resources, you would have this we have this idea that we should have a constantly growing market. If we're continue to make the systems more efficient, driving down costs to be able to make more. But the problem is is with that model is that they are, multiple limited resources. And if resources are limited, then how are we able to justify or actually think through what we're doing? I've been to a couple different national parks and I'm hoping that many of you get the opportunity to at least do that. And as I th- you know, thought about this, and again, bringing it back to that beginning section of take nothing but pictures, leave nothing but footprints. If each of us had gone to, let's just say Glacier National Park, and where I think of is where you have Elephant Island. It's this small island that's in the middle of two mountains, and there's a nice lake there. I'll see if I can find a picture. It's fairly famous. But if each of us went there and took something, Over time, that image wouldn't mean anything. If we took the trees, if we took the water, took the trees off the island, took the pine needles, took the rocks, what do we have left? That's where when I was reading through that Amos verse, in verse 11, when you trample on the ground on the poor and leave the lives of grain, how often are we who are in these developed countries taking the first cut, taking things and leaving behind the remains for the rest instead of appreciating what we already have and being conscientious about what we're consuming and how we're consuming it. It's actually really interesting. I find that this is coming up this week because this last week, the Nobel Prize in economics was announced. And the two men who ended up getting this was Paul Romper and Williams Nord Haas. And I'll attach a link down below. But it's interesting because they're coming from Yale. From Professor Nord Haas, who is at Yale, like I stated, one of the things that he is disappointed about, even with getting this award, is that 
he hasn't been able to convince his own country that this is worth looking into. His whole idea, his whole thing that he won the Nobel Prize in economics for is to persuade governments to address climate change, preferably by imposing a tax on carbon emissions. So a carbon tax. So if you're not familiar with that idea, it's where businesses or industry based on the amount or country based on the amount of carbon emissions would be a tax would be incurred on that to help offset the environmental damage that comes from that to help encourage industries to move toward a more sustainable business model. And he is talking about he just won a Nobel Prize with another man who is an economist at New York University. But he's complaining that he is saddened that he hasn't been able to convince his own government and just the applying this hasn't been applied as well as he had imagined. I know I've brought it up before, but if you ever get the opportunity to look at Ken Burns' America's National Parks, America's Greatest Idea, I'd highly recommend it. It's long, but it's good. But the thing as you go through that, you start recognizing is how ahead Theodore Roosevelt was with setting aside land for the national parks. And as I've talked about before, many other countries are envious that we were so forward-thinking with doing that. And I would argue that in the text that we have here, especially out of Mark, that's what is being told to us anyways. Because why? Because it gets back to what the psalm is stating. When we are consuming everything that's around us, and remember back like we've talked about multiple times before, we are just tenants here. We do not own this place. We are tenants. And as we keep consuming, it makes it very difficult for us to appreciate the days. Appreciate the gifts that are being given to us. It divides us. It separates us from the creation in many ways, especially in the modern society of which we are in now. We love separating ourselves. And when you look at your pocket computer, otherwise known as a cell phone, how often do you see the raw materials that go into that? We see the completed product. We don't think about the bringing all that stuff together. The small miracle of life just to be able to make this machine come to life. If we want to have faith like Job, we have to be okay and trust through sacrifice that we are actually getting closer to the Father. That we are understanding more of his character and we are giving God the opportunity and us the opportunity to see God in action more. Am I saying giving up everything? No. Am I saying that we need to be more conscientious about the things we have and appreciate the things we have and understand where we have excess? Yeah. I know for myself, one of the things that I grapple with, I really like vintage drums. I like old drums. I think one, at the sustainability side of me, it's great because I'm not cutting down new trees. I'm saving the trees that are around me, and I like cleaning them up and making them look pretty and trying to bring them back to their former glory for appreciation, to understand how far the technology has grown, all of that. But there's a point where I myself have had to wrestle with is when is it too much? Are you playing them enough? Are you just collecting and hoarding 
and it's preventing you from doing other things because you're hoarding. I think there's a lot of times in what I will say and what I know of middle to upper class in the United States, because that's what I'm familiar with, we do that a lot. And we overlook the people who are barely getting by, who at times we might have just a, something that really wouldn't hurt us to give up, that would make a world of difference to them. And we do it little by little. We take away little by little and we don't realize that we're actually giving something up. We look at the fight that's happening more and more for public lands just so that we can appreciate the creation that we have been given and that all of us could use instead of one individual or a small group of individuals. We look at it as it's been slammed in our face throughout this last year with privacy through hacks of different email servers such as Yahoo or Facebook. And the question becoming, do they look at us as people or do they look at us as data that could be acquired? The fight and figuring out where is the line in that? Where is the humanity? What are we giving up in that? Hard questions, not button questions, things that make us think. What things are we taking for granted because most of you probably listening to this podcast are in some sort of stability in your life. And as leaders in church, we know that that's not always the case everywhere. What type of things can we give up to help others appreciate the life that they have been given? What things are separating us from God? One final example that I think I'll use is how many times do we put our own spin on God. And what I mean by that is we have to have an answer for everything. And we can't admit that we don't know an answer, which is kind of funny because that's the whole point of science is answering questions and being okay with saying we don't know that. And in this state of overconfidence, is that limiting us from actually letting God enter the situation and actually show us his character? Because we have to be all-knowing. We know, apparently, what's better for us at times. It's hard. I feel for William Nordhaus and Paul Romer for working so hard on figuring out something that would possibly make it so that we could appreciate what we have more. But having governments around the world not being able to work together to understand what we're actually trying to do and realize it might hurt right now, but it's for our good. And if we know the book of Job, that's kind of the whole book. And if we really look at what Jesus did, that's kind of what he did for us. Why can't we go through that? Why do we have this perception that we should just have it all? If we all had it all, what would there be to look at? What would there be to admire? And where would God be in that situation? I'm really thankful for myself because I have enjoyed the national parks that we did have Theodore Roosevelt and other leaders after that and leaders even at that time to say that this is something important that we need to do something about it. I hope that in your life we evaluate and figure out where these situations are and make a stand be it data privacy, be it nature, or be it some special place. Understanding when does something need to die for new life to come in 
so it's not worth keeping the way that it is, letting it go in that way? Or when is it that you were holding on to something that's in a physical sense that's actually holding us back? It could be spiritual also. We are, from the science side, we are hunter-gatherers. We like gathering. This is, again, one of those scriptures where Jesus is telling us to let go and trust. We have to learn to trust. And I think that's ties in what I feel that has been coming through when I've been reading through Mark this time, is we have to work together. In that letting go, we realize we can't do it on our own, so we need each other. So, the Twitter question this week will make it quote-unquote simple. What do you need to let go? What things is God calling you to do at this time to let go of so that you can actually see him more? I'm going through that myself. As we've talked about, I moved to Bemidji and there's still things back where I was before at my parents' place. And there's a point where I have simplicity to where I'm living right now. And at times I wonder how much of that stuff that I have back home do I really need? And so there's certain things I've actually set in boxes even at home. And if I don't touch it over the year, it's probably time to let go of it. I think it's one of those text where it lets us to really evaluate what's important and if God is number one then what things at times do we need to let go almost like the Oregon Trail it's too much weight in the cart what do we need to put to the side so we'll wrap this up as we always do I pray God blesses you through your faith and amazes you through science